Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Special guest, we have Florida men's basketball forward Anthony DeRuji going to be joining us a little later. Former Louisiana Tech forward, uh, Montgomery County native, transfer to Florida. And I don't know if you guys saw that Virginia Tech Florida game, but he got a huge poster dunk in the first round of the NCAA tournament uh, in a win against Virginia Tech. So pleased to be joined by a fellow Montgomery County native, you know, Anthony DeRuji. So we're going to get to you guys that interview a little bit later. Uh, but first, you know, we want to recap the weekend's action, man. But Drew, man, how you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. You know, it's always great when we get to do another episode of the Auto Bid. You know, it's March. We got a fellow Montgomery County native on the pod. So, you know, it's it's, it's great, man. It's, it's, it's a great day. Sure, man. So, unfortunately, you know, the, the Final Four is coming up this weekend. And, unfortunately, there are no mid-majors a part of it. There were two mid-majors that had that had a chance of entering this weekend. You still, we still had. Well, actually, 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 let me correct myself because Zaga is a mid-major. They are from a one-bid league. Even though, even though uh, WCC is a, a two-bid league, you know, this year, but we're calling the Zaga mid-major. They're not a Power Five. They aren't one of these, you know, AAC. It's not, you know, the Big East. They are a mid-major. So, because Zaga keep on pushing for the mid-majors in this country, although Mark Few has put that program far, far, far uh, past the uh, quote-unquote mid-major, uh, you know, label of a program. So, you know, for the for for lack of a better term, we're gonna we're gonna just focus on Oral Roberts and Louis Chicago, who. Both entered this 316 um, with, with favorable matchups, honestly. I mean, you know, I spoke a lot last week about how I thought Oral Roberts had a great shot to beat Arkansas. And for about 35 minutes, or so it looked like they were going to beat him. Um, Arkansas made a little run late um, to, to get ahead. And obviously, game goes to game goes into overtime, correct? Or, as a matter of fact, no, it ended in regulation. But, you know, you get Max Aismith, you know, with a shot, the leading score in the country, your best player on your team, with pretty much a dribble up. Uh, three great look, great look at a uh, at a three and win the game. You know, getting losing by two points. And then Loyola Chicago, man, it was just a nightmare of an offensive night uh, for the Ramblers, man. I mean, they literally could not make a shot, um, and they fell to the Oregon State Beavers in the Sweet 16. Um, so neither of those teams, unfortunately, were able to make it past the Sweet 16 and onto the Elite Eight. Yeah, man, I think um, the biggest thing you, you spoke of was, I mean, uh, the, the offensive struggles, especially for Little Chicago. I mean, it's crazy because this is a team that, you know, prides themselves on the offensive end of the floor, um, you know, being able to <clears throat> run their Princeton style action, get threes off, get downhill with speed, allow Cameron Cutler to just pick apart opposing defenses. And then, of course, knock down the, the three ball. But, I mean, this game, you know, they shoot five for 23, 
from a three-point line. Uh, I mean, Lucas Williamson was two for eight from three. Um, you know, missed some key ones down the stretch there. It's tough to win a game like that in the NCAA tournament when you can't knock down shots. They were 18 for 54 for the game from the field. Um, I think Oregon State's zone really bothered bothered Louis Chicago. You know, watching that game, I'm, I'm watching them, and you know, as we know from playing Louis Chicago last year, you know, that offense that they run is it's very hard to guard, man. If you're playing man to man and they're running it with pace, I mean, it's hard to stop, man. I think Oregon State did a great job of you know throwing the zone and making you know, Louis Chicago do something a little bit different. You know, as we see in the NCAA tournament, man, teams struggle to make shots from the outside. You know, even Syracuse, they made a run, you know, all the way to what, the, the Sweet 16 this year? Uh, they made the Sweet 16 this year before they lost to Houston. Um, but, I mean, that that zone won them a couple games that they probably had no business winning uh, because teams just can't hit shots from the outside. And that's really what happened here um, with Louis Chicago. But hats off to Oregon State, man. They made a great run. You know, Ethan Thompson played great. In that game, man, and I mean, about, you know, for Oral Roberts, I mean, like you said, man, I mean, for, for me, they were in the driver's seat pretty much that whole game. Um, I think the key for them, man, they, they also struggled from the three-point line going eight for 31. Um, you know, Oral Roberts is a team that, you know, has really their calling card has been spreading teams out, knocking down the shot from the perimeter. I mean, and, you know, they didn't really do that this game. Also, uh, Kevin O'Banner, you know, the guy who was averaging – 28 points, 29 points per game in the NCAA tournament. And the first two rounds, he only has 12 points. You know, he has double-double, 12 points, and 11 rebounds, but he only takes seven shots. You know, and in, in last week's episode, I was talking about, you know, the the, the problems that Arkansas poses um, because they can match up with, with O'Banner there at the five, you know, when they go small ball with Justin Smith. You know, they just have the athletes in the lane to kind of be able to slow him down. That's, that's exactly what they did. Um, you know, they were able to switch a lot of those – uh, screening actions, you know, they didn't really let O'Banna get too many good looks. He was four for seven, one for four from three, you know, so, um, and now the key to the game, man, you know, Admin still went off, you know, he had 25, but, you know, as we know, man, those guys were going for dang near 30 apiece in the NCAA tournament. You know, Arkansas only won that game by two points, you know, and, and O'Banna had, had 12, so um, that really seemed to be the key in that game for me. You know, obviously, um, you know, Arkansas was very fortunate to be able to, to win that game, man, because Max Admin had a great look to win the game. I mean, you, you couldn't really have, have asked for a better shot. But, um, you know, nonetheless, hats off to those two programs, man. You know, Louis Chicago, those seniors, Lucas Williamson, Cameron Crowberg from the Final Four team have made it, you know, be able to get back to a Sweet 16 on their way out. Hats off to those guys, man. And, you know, Asmus and O'Banner, man, they put themselves in a great position to be able to make some money after this year. I mean, I, I saw, I saw Asmus on an NBA draft uh, a preview that somebody was doing, man. So, I mean, to go from a guy who was relatively unknown to, you know, talking your way into some NBA draft conversations, you definitely got to tip your hat to those guys. If yeah, sure, man. I mean, you mentioned earlier Loyola Chicago and their offense, man. Oregon State went to that 1-3-1 one, one zone, and Loyola Chicago really just had no answer um, for that 1-3-1, one, one. man. They were, they were, you know, they were struggling to make threes. You mentioned earlier, you know, they shoot 5 for 23 from the three-point line. You know, that's, that's just a tough night. And Lucas Williamson couldn't get anything going. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier his shooting struggles. I mean, this was a bad night for him, for him to have a bad night. You know, I mean, Braden Norris was really their only source of production outside of Cameron Crutwig. You know, Crutwig played well, had 14 and 10. Um, and Braden Norris, you know, 10 points on three of seven shooting. I thought he was, you know, they, they get timely shots down the stretch for them. But, you know, coming into this weekend, Loyola Chicago was the best defensive team in the country. Um, coming into the evening, coming into the weekend, um, in terms of Ken Palm defensive efficiency, um, and uh, Oregon State shoots 41% from the floor, 
uh, this game. And Ethan Thompson goes for 22 on 66 of 13 shooting. So, you know, they, 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 they kind of let, you know, let Ethan Thompson get off. I know he's at the top of their scouting report, but he made a lot of tough, tough shots, kind of individual one-on-one plays. Um, and then uh, they just didn't – they just didn't – they couldn't get – they couldn't get stops when it mattered, and then they couldn't make shots on the other end, man. For So, for little Chicago, man, a team that I thought could have got to the Final Four again this year, um, unfortunately falls up short. And then, like you mentioned, for – well, Roberts, man, I mean, they had made double-digit threes in both of their two NCAA tournament wins. Um, obviously, you know, in the win, versus State, they made 14. When they were Florida, they made 10. You know, obviously, you know, they only made eight versus Arkansas. They could have got to nine. They probably could have, you know, they, they would have won the game. But in the end, it was just too little, too late. Like you mentioned, O'Banner, um, you know, did, didn't have his best night from the field. So, you know, a team that, you know, is, is essentially was going to win that game in a shootout, um, for them to not have one of their best players, um, have have his best game was was kind of tough, but nevertheless, like you said, man, great season for Oral Roberts, man. Uh, I'm gonna be definitely intrigued to see what happens with Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner. See if they hit the portal. Are they gonna come back to Oral Roberts? Are they gonna go test the NBA draft waters? So, and also what happens with Coach Paul Mills because I think you know he he's you know one of the candidates up for the Oklahoma job. If I'm him, you know I'm I'm, I'm definitely going full steam ahead at that opportunity. So. Or Roberts might have to, uh, you know, give that man a hefty extension if they want to keep him around, you know, too much longer after this run. So definitely going to be a team to keep an eye on in the future. Now, for sure, man, definitely going to be, you know, something to watch, man. I mean, you know, Banner, I mean, it's not like he played bad. You know, he had 12 points, 11 rebounds. But, you know, and actually he was four for seven from the field. He didn't really get a lot of shots, you know. And they, 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 um, Arkansas did a great job of, you know, limiting his possessions. But, you know, speaking of Oral Roberts, um, the team that – that they beat to get to that Sweet 16 was the Florida Gators. Um, and a game that, I mean, Florida re- really uh, had had control of for the majority of that one until Oral Roberts kind of took it from him in the end. Um, we have one of the Florida Gators on the podcast, and uh, he's going to walk us through, man, that game, you know, their season. Obviously, we know they had a probably the, the scariest moment of, the, of this whole entire NCAA season with the Keontae Johnson incident. We're going to talk about that. Um, but, you know, enough of me spoiling the interview, man. I'm just going to let him tell it to you guys for himself. Here you guys go with the interview with Anthony DeRuji. All righty, guys. We are live for another episode of the Auto Bid. And today we are pleased to be joined by none other than Montgomery County native and the Florida Gators men's basketball forward, Anthony DeRuji. So, Ant, man, thanks for coming over with us today. Thank you guys for having me, man. Nah, no problem. Now, obviously, man, you guys had uh, a wonderful season this year. Um, you made it to the NCAA tournament. So we're going we're gonna to dive into that. We're going to dive into that. But, you know, first, I kind of want you to kind of tell your story, man. Like, you know, what, what brought you to the University of Florida? Obviously, we know you started off your career at Louisiana Tech. Um, from here in Montgomery County. So kind of talk to us about your, your journey, you know, from Montgomery County. Uh, obviously, then, you know, transferring out of, of Montgomery County and then making it to college and now, you know, on the biggest stage of them all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would say my journey has been a rocky journey. Um, it's been a lot of, um, well, I would say, patience, waiting, and uh, a lot of highs and lows. Um, I started off, uh, of course, you know, from Montgomery County. Um, started at Northwest High School. Actually, I started at Archbishop Carroll. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but I played there for, I was there for one semester. It was really fun. Um, you know, um, but things didn't really work out there. So I transferred back to my um, Northwest, which was um, my home school. 
uh, I played over there on varsity ninth grade, but I didn't see the floor too much. Um, you know, I kind of came in uh, midway through the season. Um, and throughout that year, you know what I mean? Um, I think we lost to, we might have lost to Magruder, I think in the second round. Um, you know, so the next year I was like, I wasn't really happy um, with not playing. So the next year, you know what I mean? I was like, I didn't want to play basketball. Uh, at least not in Northwest. Um, so I just ran track. You know, I started doing uh, high jumping. That really, uh, I would say, like, helped me um, and elevate um, my athleticism. And then um, I had already had made my mind up like that. I didn't really want to, you know, be in this situation. Uh, so I left um, and got recruited um, to St. Andrews Episcopal School. And that was probably one of the best decisions I made in my life. But I ended up uh, staying there for three years. I reclassified. Um, did 10th, 11th, and 12th grade year over there, you know, really uh, groomed uh, just as a person, um, better student, and, you know, had the, the right people around me who, who embraced me. And then I was um, I was lucky enough uh, to play with Team Takeover, um, EYBL, uh, 16 and 17 year. Um, so that was a great experience, you know, playing with guys like Luca Garza, Chris Likes, um, DJ Harvey, Eddie Scott. Jelani Williams, all those type of guys, um, you know. Um, so really got more buzz and exposure. Um, and then I had got an offer from Louisiana Tech. Um, and, you know, they were one of the first schools to offer me and I kind of built a relationship with that staff, you know. So, you know, I, I took it. I committed really early. Um, so it was a little different, but I took that uh, scholarship offer, you know, played two years over there, um, you know what I mean, just wanted more for myself. Uh, so I excelled over there, and then as soon as I uh, made the decision to transfer, had a lot of schools um, hitting me up, and uh, came down to Bell in Florida, you know, and I just I chose Florida because I felt like Florida has a great legacy, a uh, good education, uh, and, and, uh, just the right people that would help me um, on and off the court. So here I am. <clears throat> Now, you glossed over your track career a little bit, man, but, I mean, you finished second in the state in high jump. I understand you were a top 30 guy in the country in triple jump. I mean, yeah. you, you, you were an extremely good track athlete. I mean, so and talk to me about that part of your life and that part of your journey coming up, you know, running track and being so good at that. I mean, was it something that you just were naturally, like, bouncy out? If you know, you know, mm -hmm. dunk in the tournament, you, you're an extremely good athlete. But that's something that you kind of worked on or was it just kind of a natural ability that you think helped you excel uh, at track and field? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both. Like, I, I had the natural ability because my mom, was a, uh, she was also a high jumper as well, um, and she played basketball. So, you know, I got my athleticism from her. Um, and that's what I actually got discovered because, you know, when I didn't want to play basketball, I just, like, I mean, I still got to do something. So I just went out, you know what I mean, to, to track. Um, and so I had that raw ability, but I feel like track really, like, it really brought out, like, more, you know what I mean, out of me. Um, uh, so once I did that, um, I started to excel, um, and they actually wanted me to jump over here at Florida. Um, but, uh, you know, that wasn't going to work out. You know how, you know how the coaches speak. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey man, maybe, maybe down the line, man, you could give another go, man. Maybe make the Olympic or something like that, man. You never know. As we saw, man, you're definitely a serious athlete. I mean, for, for the people who don't know your game, I mean, Talk to us about kind of what you bring to the floor um, and kind of how would you describe your game to somebody who's never seen Anthony DeRuji play? Mm, yeah, I would say um, Anthony DeRuji is an electrifying uh, player who brings a lot of energy and can change the game. 
Um, I would say um, he, he, he's versatile. Um, he can do uh, multiple things. He can rebound. And I would say um, he's, a, he's a dude that you want to have on your team, like a great teammate. Now you mentioned being able to change the game. Uh, one play that definitely changed the game uh, in that Virginia Tech game was that dunk you caught uh, in overtime, you know, bouncing back from missing those free throws in regulation, yeah. and being able to get that get that dunk in overtime that kind of changed the momentum of that game for your team. I mean, what was that moment like for you to be able to bounce back, you know, from, from a moment where you could have, you know, potentially put the game away in regulation to then, right. you know, coming in overtime and having that play that, that, you know, kind of changed the course of the game? Right, right, right. Yeah, man. It was – I mean that that play right there. It was like I felt like it was a redeemer, you know. And my my teammate had told me after I missed those free throws, like you know, you gonna you gonna get it back, you gonna redeem yourself, you know what I mean. So as soon as I like I had made that play, I felt like so good, you know. One because it's March Madness, you know, and like you already know how it is, you know, when people you know make an exciting play, like the energy, it, it just like go off the roof, you know. So as soon as I made that play, it was like man, like. I knew it was like, yeah, we're going to win this game because, you know, we're going to take this and we're going ride to this, ride this momentum, you know, and, and we got the dub, so it was big. And my, I mean, now, now, for you, man, obviously as a, as a Montgomery kind of guy and, you know, kid from, from this area, man, what was it like for you to just be able to play on that stage? I mean, can you play in the words to be able to, to describe what it was like to be a part of a game like that? And obviously, you know, that the buzzer beater at the end of the regulation, you're going overtime, it's like, dang, man, this is what the NCAA tournament is all about, you know, getting that dunk. But, you know, me and Ace, we, we played five years Division One basketball, four at Quinnipiac, one at Coppin State, and we never went to a tournament. But for, for people who don't know what that experience was like, man, just talk about what that was like playing in the tournament, um, being able to experience a moment like that. Yeah, man, it's it's truly a blessing, you know what I mean, uh, to, to be in that moment. And so many of the great players, you know what I mean, um, who have played in that in that tournament, you know, so it's just truly a blessing because everybody don't get the opportunity, like you said. And, um, especially being a dude from Montgomery County, like, um, you know, like, shoot, I'm just I'm a dude from Germantown, you know what I mean? Like, not a lot of people really, uh, like, even make it or had that opportunity, you know what I mean? Talking to my brothers, you know, they all play basketball and stuff like that. And, you know, seeing seeing me on that big stage is just such an inspiration um, to them, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I, my teachers hit me up and some of my uh, – you know, my friends from childhood, their parents might hit me up and just saying, keep repping, you know what I mean? So I'll just say it's like truly a blessing. It's kind of like surreal because like, I used to dream about being March Madden, you know what I mean, when I was like 12 years old and stuff like that. And then to finally be able to participate in it, it's just like, it's crazy. So that's, that's stuff that you live for. Ain't nobody going to take it away from you. Now you mentioned before um, being, at, being at Louisiana Tech. I mean, you you were an All Rookie selection in, in Conference USA, um, yeah. and was able to go there and have a really good sophomore year as well. Average about twelve and six, and then hit the portal. You mentioned your final schools were Maryland and Florida. You dissed the hometown team and, and committed yeah. to Florida. Um, at Baylor, I'm pretty sure, right? You said Baylor. Oh, you said Baylor? Baylor, Baylor. Oh, you said it was Maryland and Florida. Okay, yeah. I'll hear it say, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you. Thing is, though, I did, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to come closer to home, and I, Maryland said they, they didn't really have no space for me. So, oh man, that'd have been crazy seeing you at, seeing you at Comcast, man. They <laughs> used you. What about Florida made you, made you want to call that place your home? You know, I'm sure you had a bunch of other suitors that that, that wanted you to go there. You know, what made you want to call Florida uh, your home? Yeah, like, you know, Florida is like, it, it's really, 
you know, what brought me here was just the legacy that Florida has. Um, and when you think of Florida, you think of the Gators and you just think of that brand. It was like, it's like a big fraternity. And, you know, I knew I wanted to be a part of something that was bigger than myself. Um, and I wanted to be a part of that long lineage, you know what I mean, of, of great players. Um, so really, you know, all the sports over here at Florida um, excel, uh, not just basketball, um, you know. And then once I came down here, you know, the nice weather um, and just, you know, all the networking um, and just just the education as well, you know, it really just sold me. So I was like, I can make it work over here. And that's what brought me here. Now, talk about uh, Coach White, because obviously, you know, he's somebody who, you know, when he came to Florida, had huge shoes to fill with Coach Donovan. Obviously, won two national championships. Um, you know, what is it like playing for Coach White? Um, what has his coaching style been like, you know, over these, you know, past couple years at, at Florida? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, his coaching style has, has changed a little bit um, this year um, compared to his past years. You know what I mean? I think uh, this year we had a lot of size and athleticism. Um, so I think this year we really try to get back to um, his old style of playing. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but you guys probably do know, but he coached at Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Um, and there were the Dunkin' Dogs over there. They played a lot of fast pace. Um, you know what I mean? Um, and that's pretty much uh, what he tried to resemble uh, this year with this team. Obviously, we had like a lot of talent. Um, and like I said before, we had a lot of athleticism. So we really um, pressed a lot. Um, and I think, uh, you know, try to be like relentless and uh, cause turnovers. And that was, uh, I would say that was, that was like our identity as a team um, this year. Um, it was just trying to get after it, really. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of guys that make the jump, you know, transfer up from mid-major to high-major. They don't really, you know, see a lot of minutes. They don't really have a lot of success. But you were able to have a, a pretty good season. Obviously, you sat out last year. Um, you know, what do you think went into you being able to come in this year and be able to have the impact that you did um, in your first season to have the transfer? Yeah, I think um, me being being able to be coachable, um, you know, obviously my role changed um, from coming from Louisiana Tech to Florida. Um, you know, it's just going to be more talent um, and uh, just uh, more players as well, you know what I mean? So I think uh, me being able to be coachable um, and taking on my role, you know, coach said, you know, my my gift um, it was to really, you know, um, exercise and use my athleticism, but also my energy um, and defend it. And that's that's what I tried to do. Um, and I think, uh, you know, throughout that time, I kind of gained more and more trust in my coach. Um, and then I was able to, you know, really get me on the floor and uh, just try to do what I do. Yeah. Now, obviously, I, I want to go back to the tournament a little bit. Obviously, you guys um, won your first round matchup against Virginia Tech, and then you run into Oral Roberts, who turned, turned out to be the you know Cinderella of this year's NCAA tournament, where was one shot away from going to the Elite Eight. Um, a lot has been said about you know Max As Asmus and Kevin O'Banner. Um, talk about you know Oral Roberts and like kind of the, the challenge that they brought to you guys in that second round game. Um, I mean, for most of us, it seemed like when watching that game, you know, you guys were pretty much we thought you guys were pretty much in the driver's seat. But I mean, mm -hmm. talk about that matchup. Um, the game um, and kind of the, the challenge that those two guys can can bring to the court. Yeah, man, those got props to them. Um, they had an awesome run, you know what I mean, Oral Roberts. Um, they were a challenge for us because I feel like, um, you know, we just really had no answer for them. Um, and the point guard, you know, Max, uh, like, I don't think anybody really, like, knew how to guard him, you know, because he was so fast off the dribble. 
So it was hard to stay in front of him. But then also he can shoot from deep, you know. Um, and those dudes play uh, with extremely uh, high confidence. Um, and you can just see the camaraderie uh, with the whole team. Um, I think that the biggest thing for us was that, um, you know, all five of them, were, uh, all five of their starters were shooters. And they all stretch the floor. It's like a five out, you know what I mean? Being in the SEC, you don't really see that a lot. You know, uh, you might see uh, more bigs um, and people are guarding down low. But, you know, when when you're playing defense you, and you're used to running, you know, to the paint, like five guys are running to the arc, you know, and they all shooting it. Um, so that was, that was really hard, um, you know. And we, I, I feel like we kind of, you know, let that one slip away. Um because, like you said, I think we did have uh, control. Um, I didn't think they had an a, a answer for us um, defending us. You know what I mean? Um, but high-level uh, offensive team. Um, and you know what I mean? Like, more buckets you score, <laughs> that's who's going to win. So, props to them, though. I want to ask you some, something about, you know, what was one of the biggest stories in college basketball this year, and that was Keontae Johnson. Um, I mean, talk to me about that moment, you know, when, when he collapsed and then the next few days where, you know, nobody really knew what was going on. Have him come back and being able to be on the sideline with you guys um, the whole rest of the way but not being able to play. I mean, just walk me through what that whole situation was like from the moment that he collapsed on the court, you know, to, to now uh, his, his role with, with you guys throughout the, throughout the tournament. Yeah. Um, when, when Keontae had collapsed, man, it was so scary. You know what I mean? Um, because it's like, we just, like, we were in shock. All of us were in shock, you know what I mean? The, the crazy thing is, for me, that was the second time, actually third time of me uh, actually seeing that happen. Um, you know, former uh, teammate of mine at Louisiana Tech, uh, same thing happened to him, but at practice, you know what I mean? Um, and it's just crazy. I would say, like, that, that, that definitely was a traumatic um, event, and it left people kind of, like, startled. Like, we didn't know what to do, you know what I mean? And, um, even being uh, in a COVID year, you know what I mean, when everything is, you know, heightened and um, there's a lot of, uh, I would say, um, just fatigue and anxiety um, as well uh, during this time. But, like, it was so tough because it's like people kept – I remember, like, after it happened, um, teammates just, like, saying, like, they kind of revisited um, that picture in their mind and they couldn't really get that out of their mind. So, you know, obviously – you know, if you had any mental, it's kind of hard to go out and play, just like act like it didn't happen. You know, so you know during that time, we you know we got together as a team, and we just that's why we took we took time off. You know what I mean? Because that's just like a crazy event. But thankfully, you know he was able to get the right medical um, attention that he needed, um, and they they saved his life. Um, you know what I mean? And uh, we're just uh, so thankful that he's here with us now. Um, and the transition is like. It was like he never left, you know what I mean? Like came back with uh, good spirits, you know what I mean? And his role kind of changed as being like a coach. And he actually would, would do a lot of the um, scouting reports for us, you know what I mean? So, you know, and I know I got a lot of, uh, you know, I picked his brain a lot throughout the season, you know what I mean? Because, you know, he's a great player, SEC preseason, a player of the year, you know what I mean? So he would just coach me up on the sidelines, you know what I mean? Anything that he's seen, um, he would just try to help us in that way. So now, I mean, for you as a player, like, did you ever like? Obviously, when that happened, it was questioning Sorrell. I mean, should we play? Is I mean, is it was this COVID related? Like, for you as a player, like, did you guys ever have second thoughts of like, damn man, should we continue the season? Should we continue this game? Like, 
you know, what, like, what was that, that process like for you guys in determining, all right, like, you know, should we continue? Should we not? Should we keep playing? Like, what, what was that, that process like for you guys? Yeah, we all got together as a team um, after that happened. Um, and all of us, you know, we didn't have the answers. We didn't know what was going to go on. You know what I mean? Coach really just gave us the options. Like, you know, we all got together and pretty much just um, said how we felt. You know what I mean? Um, and then uh, throughout that week, uh, we were really, you know, given the option, like, shoot, like, if y'all don't want to play the rest of the season, like, y'all don't have to. You know what I mean? It's up to y'all, you know. But, you know, that, um, and, you know, just letting us know, like, you know, Keontae would want us to play. You know what I mean? We get, we got to keep on pushing. You know what I mean? Um, and that's that's just what we did. We came to that, uh, you know, we came to that consensus. Um you know what I mean? And I think we made the right decision, obviously, um, just taking that time off because we needed it as a team. Um, you know, we got back right, right back at to it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Now, now, you said he was in a coaching role, and I've heard this, but, I mean, what was that like? I mean, was he holding the clipboard yelling at you guys in practice, or was he like – I don't remember saying he, he – like, what, what was that like for, for him and for you guys, man? Yeah, nah, he would yell at you for sure. Like, he, if you make a mistake, quick to take you out. Hey, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would get on us for sure. Yeah, but. That's you crazy. Know. He was doing scouting reports, you said, too? Yeah, scouting reports, all that, like, breaking out film. Like, yeah, he do this, take away this, that. Like, you know, big, big knowledge of the game for sure. Oh. That's impressive, man. I don't know. I don't know if, if I would have been, been been doing scouts when I was when I was playing in college, man. That's that stuff takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. That's a high level, man. Um, I definitely I definitely wanted to ask you, man. So like going in, obviously, you know, going into to next year, man. Like, I mean, after seeing the NCAA tournament this year, I mean, Alabama made a run, Arkansas made a run. You guys are right there, a play away from the Sweet Sixteen. Um, you know, you can picture probably Kentucky is going to be back in the picture next year. Um, for you, man. Um, and for this team to come back for next season, man, what do you think you guys are going to have to do to kind of take that next step and, um, you know, really kind of maybe make a deep tournament run next season? Yeah, man. I think, you know, right now it's kind of – it's a weird time. It's kind of crazy right now with, with our team. Uh, I don't – you guys probably know, you know, a lot of people are transferring. Yeah. You know, you just know the, the times that we're in right now, you know. So, obviously, I would say for, for one, uh, for the people who are, are returning to just keep on getting better. Um, like what we're doing right now. And, uh, you know, we have to find the right pieces, you know what I mean, to come in. Uh, but I think uh, with the core group and the people who are going to be here, who were here from last year, kind of really, um, you know, take that leadership role um, and just be able to continue to trust the process. Um, and I think uh, really just play for each other. You know, I think, you know, talent is big, obviously. Um, but, um, I mean, it's really who – who can who can mesh well together, you know, as a team, especially I feel like in college as well. Um, you know, I mean, it's just um, you have to have great culture. Um, so that's what we're gonna try to do. Uh, we're just gonna try to get back to the drawing board and keep working. Now, wait, I have off here in a little bit, but I definitely want to ask you. I saw you you played in the crab ball game and the Capital Classic when you were uh, when you were in high school. I know me and Drew played in the crab ball classic too when we, when we were uh, in high school, and Drew played in the Capital Classic. I was supposed to play that weekend in the local game, but I had to go 
I played in the AU tournament that spring. But I remember the crab ball game. Uh, we, we played on the D.C. team versus the Baltimore guys. It was like Jalen <laughs> Adams and Kamal Stokes and uh-huh. all these dudes, man. But that was one of the most fun All-Star games, personally, because you know the beef between D.C. and Baltimore and, like, that yeah. whole rivalry. I mean, you know, what, what was that game like for you? And, you know, I guess who was playing who was playing that game when you played? And what, what was that experience like uh, when you played in that, in that, in that game? Yeah, I mean the experience was was real. It was real good. Um, you know, playing with all my all my boys for for uh, I know some dudes um, out in Baltimore. Um, but it was I don't remember who won the game. I feel like I think we lost. I think we might have lost. We were playing up in St. Francis. Um, uh, but it was a it was a really good game. You know, what I mean, a lot of people came out. Uh, obviously, a lot of great talent. I know Luca. I believe he won the MVP of that game over there. Um, but I mean, it was great. You know, anytime you have um, you know all that talent, you know, what I mean, in one gym, and just be able to you know put it on uh, for your city, um, I think it was, it was really great. You know, I was definitely getting bouncy in a, in a warm up lines um, in the game, so you know, it, it was just you know fun times. Uh, for sure, man. Um, now we had we had Anthony and then the Tarquin here um, a little earlier in, in the in the season, man, and. We're talking about how you know both of those guys were literally getting ready to go to Division Two, you know, before they came into college, and now you know, Andy actually today just just entered the NBA draft and is gonna go through that process with Player of the Year in the MEAC. Obviously, you're another Montgomery County kind of kid that kind of went under the radar, you know, um, <laughs> wasn't playing at Northwest when you first got there, and now you're obviously at Florida at the Pinnacle College Basketball. What do you have to say about you know just I guess kids from Montgomery County? You, I, as you know, people say people you know. When it comes to Montgomery County, DMV people, oh, PG is better, or DC, mm-hmm. like, you know, but we have a lot of people in Montgomery County who are doing some great things right now in the college basketball landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want to get your opinion on that. Um, you know, did, did, did you have a chip on your shoulder, you know, being a kid from Montgomery County? And uh, what do you think it says to, like, maybe the future generation of kids that are coming up in Montgomery County that are seeing a, a guy like you play with Florida, mm-hmm. come from Montgomery County, and a guy like Anthony Tark, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know be MEAC player of the year and things like that. Uh, what do you think that says the kids that are coming after us uh, that might try to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, um, you know what I mean? I definitely had a, a chip on my shoulder, but I, I think, you know, for kids um, coming up, you know what I mean, the next generation um, coming up nowadays, it's like like we got hoopers too, you know what I mean? Like you can, you can make it, you know, as long as, as, long as you really um, just stick, I would say really being patient, you know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, you got to embrace your journey. Your journey is your journey. You know, it might not look like um, being a five-star recruit, you know, out of high school, having all the attention, you know what I mean? Uh, but if you, if you really stick uh, to your journey and stick to the script, you know, just stay focused, you know, and surround yourself with the right people um, and keep hooping, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you don't get where you want to be, you know what I mean? And, and you're going to find your purpose as well, you know? So I feel like, there's definitely a lot of uh, talent um, in Montgomery County, but I feel like maybe um, we just don't get as much of uh, the exposure or maybe, you know, a lot of people might just not um, have, uh, like, the people around them, you know what I mean, to really uh, help them get to that next level. And I think um, really just, I would say, just find the right people, like people who are going to be, you know, by your side and going to encourage you, going to uplift you, really going to embrace you and your, your vision. And if you stick to it, you know what I mean? Uh, good things will come, you know? So, like, just just keep pushing. That's that's why that's why I play basketball, is to inspire. 
ultimately, that's that's you know what I'm saying. That's my purpose of playing basketball. It's not to make you know the most money or whatever. It's like it's to inspire. Like I really, yeah, I really hope to inspire the youth. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. We, you know, you definitely are doing so, man. I know there's plenty of kids back back home here. Like I'm kind of looking up to you, and you know, probably in Florida and Louisiana as well that have followed your path, man. So, you know, Drew, and I definitely um, thank, thank thank you for coming on today, man. We wish you the best of luck next season at Florida, man, and then beyond uh, wherever your journey may take you next. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys for having me, man. It's a blessing. No problem, man. It's our pleasure. All righty, guys. Thanks to Anthony DeRuji, man. That was an awesome conversation with, with our guy, man. It's, it's always good, like we mentioned, man, to talk to some of our Grammy County guys, man. But, um, I mean, he, he, he's a great kid, man. Just talking to him, man. He seems like he's humble. He has his head on, head on the right, man, talking about, you know, his, his goal with basketball is to inspire, inspire the youth and inspire kids, man. I mean, that's something that really stuck out to me from, from the interview because, you know, obviously a lot of these guys are in here for – for the money or, you know, for the clout and this and that. But, you know, coming from, from you know, Montgomery County, where, where we're from, man, it's, it means a lot, man, to see guys, um, you know, on this on this type of stage and to say, you know, yeah, like, that's something that I can do, you know, that, you know, show kids that, that there's a path. So, um, man, definitely hats off to him. Um, and if y'all haven't seen that dunk that he had in that Virginia Tech game, man, make sure that I go check that out. That was definitely SC top 10 worthy. Um, you know, in, in that, I think it was the first point scored in overtime, actually. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I mean, even just watching that game, man, for him to be able to bounce back and make a play like that, I mean, a lot of people, you know, you have a chance to ice the game from the free throw line. You know, you, you miss the free throws. Game ends up going into overtime. You can easily beat yourself up, you know, about, you know, costing his team the game or, you know, having, especially on that stage, the NCAA tournament, man, I mean, you know, it's easy to kind of turn, put your head down and walk away. But he came back the very next session almost and, and just put a put Robert Spender on an absolute poster, man. So, I mean, that just kind of shows the character and the mindset of that kid, man. And I've always heard – only I've only heard great things about his character. Um, so, I'm excited to watch him next year, man, and see what he does. Uh, hopefully, he can get some guys up out of the portal or, you know, get some get some guys, you know, from the portal to come transfer to Florida because um, they, they're, they're going to be losing a lot next year. And obviously, it's still certain, it's still uncertain. Um, what's going to happen with Keontae Johnson regarding his heart and issues and everything. Now, for sure, man, I mean, he's an intriguing prospect down the line, man. We're talking about, you know, his pro potential. Obviously, he's, you know, he's bouncy, long, athletic. You know, I mean, he, he's perfect, you know, for, for, for the NBA game. Um, so, definitely, man, you know, if we can get another, another MoCo guy in the league, man, that would be nice, man. You know, we already got Malcolm Miller with the Raptors, you know, was that 2019, I think? 2019 NBA champion. You know what I'm saying? So we need to get some more MoCo guys in the league, man. But uh, definitely shout out to Anthony, man. We're definitely going to be rooting for you, rooting for the Florida Gators, man. And, uh, you know, you got some fans here at All Facts Media. For sure, man. But we can't let you get off of this pod without giving a little Final Four preview. You know, obviously this is a mid-major podcast. And, you know, Gonzaga, we're calling Gonzaga a mid-major for this pod. You know, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to keep, keep the system a little bit. You know, uh, Gonzaga going to face – uh, West Coast powerhouse in UCLA, who's in the Final Four for the first time since 2008 under head coach Mick Cronin, man. I, I, I just want to talk about Coach Cronin for a second, man, because I remember when they hired him, a lot of people, you know, out there in L.A. were unhappy because he was not a flashy name. You know, he's not very fancy. He's not, you know, very box office coming from Cincinnati, man. But that dude is hard-nosed. Um, and those guys just simply find ways to win games. His team resembles him, Johnny Juzang. I mean, he's been battling that ankle injury for some weeks now, man. It, and every time it looks like he's out, you know, down for the count. You know, he heard it in that first game versus Michigan State, and he came back in the game and heard it again last night. Um, 
and he came back in the game, man, and just simply willed his team to win, man. It was the best player on the floor um, and knocked off a great Michigan team who, you know, many, many thought could, could, could challenge Gonzaga. Obviously, you know, Michigan without Isaiah Livers, you know, he's out with that fractured foot. You know, I, I think if Michigan would have him, they definitely would be you know, still playing right now. But nonetheless, we're going to have UCLA and Gonzaga, and then we're going to have a battle of Texas interstate matchup between Houston and Coach Kevin Sampson and Baylor and Coach Scott Drew. So it's going to be a great, great Final Four, man. We're going to have two great defensive teams in Baylor and Houston, and then we're going to have another great defensive team in UCLA versus an absolute offensive juggernaut in Gonzaga, man. So looking forward to the action this weekend, man. I think it's going to be a great, great two basketball games, and I'm hoping and praying that we can get this Gonzaga-Baylor game we've all been salivating over, you know, for the whole season. So fingers crossed that it happens. For sure, man. It's crazy because we got the West Coast battle, UCLA versus Gonzaga to, you know, the battle of the Pacific. You know, and then we got Houston and Baylor, Texas, you know, battle of Texas, man. And um, I think it's 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 great for college basketball, man, that UCLA is back in the Final Four. I mean, you know, they they obviously this is their first Final Four since 2008, man. It's 2021 now. So, you know, 13 years, UCLA really has been kind of, you know, just, ah, you know, they haven't really been able to go at home, obviously. I believe they went to the Sweet 16 when they had Lonzo Ball. I believe they played um, Kentucky, that Kentucky team with De'Aaron Fox, if I remember correctly. But you know, outside of that, man, they they haven't really been, you know, where we need UCLA to be, you know, with the blue buds of college basketball, man. So it's great to see them back there. You know, obviously Mick Cronin, you know, taking them from the first four to the final four. You know, that's definitely, um, you know, a hell of a coaching job by him, man. But Definitely want to give a shout out to Kevin Sampson, man, because this is a Houston team that, you know, was highly ranked the entire year. You know, this is a team that was like, you know, the top five, top ten team. But everybody was like, ah, I mean, nah, they're, you know, they're a top five team, but they're not really one thing they got the chops to, to really, you know, go far. And I think that, I mean, a lot of people had them get upset, you know, multiple times in the tournament. I mean, um, so for them to be here even, I think it's a testament to, to, to those guys, man, the toughness of, of Dejan Giroux, you know, battling that hit corner. Obviously, he, people were questioning whether he was going to play or not. You know, he, he's coming out and delivering dang near triple doubles, you know, in, in, in this tournament. And Marcus Sasser just played out of his mind. Quentin Grimes, he played with a chip on his shoulder, you know, after transferring from Kansas. Justin Gorham, another Maryland native, he would have been killing it on the offensive glass, rebounding, man. Um, so it's great to see. You know, I'm definitely happy for for Kevin Sampson, man. But I think we all do want to see this Gonzaga and uh, and Baylor matchup. I told Ace, man. Matter of fact, I might have said it. I think I I did say it on this podcast. I said that Gonzaga was going to walk to the Final Four, and they've done exactly that. I remember uh, leading up to the Final Four game, their margin of victory was they had a total margin of victory of 96 points over their first four games, um, 24 points per game. You know they. I mean, it wasn't a contest. Then they went and spanked USC. So, I mean, hate to say it, man, but, you know, I was right once again. I think Gonzaga is going to – they they, they, they did sleepwalk to, to the Final Four. Um, I think Utah is a good team. I think that they can score with Gonzaga, obviously, with, you know, Jaime, Jaime Hakez and Giant Juzang. But in the end, I think the Zags will win this game by double figures. And then we'll hopefully get the game we've all been waiting for against Baylor. But I'm not going to count out Houston, man, because Houston, man, I remember I watched that Syracuse game, man. And, you know, for those that watched that game, the first 10 minutes of that game was ugly because Syracuse could not score. Like, I'm looking at the TV screen like, yo, these dudes are really clamping on defense, man. Like, those dudes lock up. And, I mean, defense travels, man. Your jump shot may not travel. Yeah, free throw shooting may not travel, man, but defense, you can pack that in the bag and take it with you wherever you go, man. I think that 
if you can't count on anything, we know that the Houston team is going to defend and they're going to rebound and get the ball off the glass and create second-chance opportunities for themselves, man. So um, I wouldn't sleep on Houston, man. Like I said, I think Baylor is the better team. But in the NCAA tournament, you know, we've seen stranger things happen. And I definitely would not count out Houston uh, to advance to that championship game where they probably face Gonzaga. Um, and, you know, I think, I, think, I think we all can agree that, you know, Gonzaga is probably the favorite here uh, to, to finish the season out 32-0. But I'm sure Baylor and UCLA and Houston will have something to say about that. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I think if UCLA is going to have any chance um, of beating Gonzaga, um, Hockey, Jaime Hockey is going to have to get going. I mean, he had a huge, huge game one um, versus Michigan State. He had 27 points. You know, six days, he's had 13, 10. He had 17 in the win over Alabama in the 316. But then last game, he only had four points. You know, they were able to win a grinded out, you know, game over Michigan, 51 to 49. Both teams were extremely stingy defensively, but you're not going to be able to beat Gonzaga like that. You're not going to beat Gonzaga scoring 51 points. So they're going to have to put up, you know, north of north of 75, you know, in, in order to beat in order to beat Gonzaga. Man. I mean, they scored 88 versus Alabama, you know, in, in a track meet type of matchup. So I think it's going to have to be one of those games, you know, where, you know, Hawkins, he, he had 17, 8, and 3 assists versus Gonzaga. Man. But he has to get going. We know what Juzang is going to do. He does it night in and night out. Uh, but they need that secondary score because they're going to guard. They're going to get stops. Um, Probably not as much as they normally get playing Gonzaga, but you know, I think I think this game is going to be played in the seventies, and so I think it's you know first seventy five probably wins if I had to pick a number, and I definitely would probably bet Gonzaga gets there before UCLA does. But if UCLA is going to have any shot at at this winning this game, the Jaime Hawkins is going to have to get going. Um, and the other side with Baylor and Houston, I just don't think Houston is going to have enough offense. Man, Houston is a great defensive team. One thing about Houston, man, them dudes play balls to the wall hard. I mean, them dudes are absolutely. Relentless, because I mean, even when they don't make shots, they're gonna get that thing off the backboard, um, and you can count on that. Each and every time, you know, they put up a shot, you're gonna have four or five guys going to the offensive glass. So even on days where you don't shoot the ball well, you know, you do can count on five guys going to the glass. I mean, that win um, over Oregon State, them dudes pulled down 19 offensive rebounds, 19 offensive rebounds in a 40-minute basketball game. So you're getting almost. One every two minutes. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, they're getting two or three possessions. I mean, I'm, I'm, watch, I'm watching you know, sessions where they're getting two or three shots because, you know, they just can't be kept off the boards, man. So, uh, Baylor can have a tall task, you know, trying to keep those guys off the glass. So, he's, he's not making shots. If they can get some offensive rebounds, they'll be able to stay in the, in, in the game long enough to make it interesting. But in the end, you know, I think, you know, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague, Jared Butler, all those guys are going to be able to get downhill and make plays off the bounce um, that Houston just, quite frankly, isn't going to be able to make. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting that we're going to get a Baylor-Gonzaga national championship game. I hope it happens. I and mean, if we do, man, I'm going to be extremely, extremely excited, man. So you know, that's what I'll be looking forward to this weekend. Not for sure, man. I'm, I'm rooting for Mark Fee, man. I want, you know, he's obviously been to the national championship game, you know, with North Carolina, and, and they fell short. Um, I think that this is a team, obviously, the third, you know, um, I mean, I think this is a team to, to, to get done for Gonzaga, man. I think if they win, then you're going to start putting Gonzaga up there with the Blue Bloods, man. I think that the future's looking bright, too. You know, they're in the running for Chet Holmgren. They just got um, Hunter Salas and a five-star recruit. You know, so, I mean, I mean, I think we all, most of us expect Drew Timmy to come back to school, Andrew Nemhard to come back to school. So, I mean, they're going to reload, man. Gonzaga's not going anywhere. And this, I mean, I, I saw a stat they haven't lost in uh, over 400 days, like 400-something days they haven't taken a loss. The last loss was to BYU um, 
yeah, BYU, like, like January 2020 or something like that, man. So, I mean, this team is, I mean, we could be approaching like a 500-day win streak, <laughs> something like that, uh, with, with Gonzaga, man, if they, can, if they can pull it off. I don't want to jinx them, man. I don't want to jinx those guys, man. But um, I, I want to see Mark Few and Gonzaga, man, get this done and, um, you know, put his team in the rightful place where they deserve at the top of college basketball. For sure, man. I'll definitely be rooting you know, for Mark Few. Also be rooting for Kelvin Sampson, you know. My guy has done an outstanding, outstanding job this year at Houston. I don't think they're going to have enough to get past Baylor. Um, but I think, you know, it's going to be some great coaching in, the, in this Final Four, man. I mean, all four coaches are absolutely outstanding. You know, Mick Cronin at UCLA, Mark Few at Gonzaga. Houston has Kelvin Sampson and, of course, Scott Drew at Baylor, man. So, we're going to be seeing some success matches going on. A lot of adjustments being made. I definitely expect both games to be close. Um, because both teams, all four teams are teams that play extremely hard and teams that, like I said, are extremely well coached. So go ahead and kick your feet up, man. Get you some nice food and some buddies to watch the game with, man, and prepare for some good basketball this weekend. Sure, man. We will be back next week to talk some more hoops with you guys, man. We're going to have some transfer portal stuff because the portal is booming right now. But, you know, we thought we would get you guys through the NCAA tournament first before we got into that because it's going to be some of your favorite players are going to be on the move, you know. But, you know, with that being said, enjoy the rest of this wonderful college basketball season. We will see you guys next week. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, sharing this podcast, telling a friend to tell a friend. If you haven't checked out our video today that went viral. Let me show you I go ahead and do that. My guy Ace was uh, giving Stephen A a run for his money on Stephen A's world today, man. So go and check us out, man. Go and stream that. Um, and we will see you guys next week. Man, we're going to let pull up Tay take us out with some music. You want a sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. Check, boy. You bitten on me? I can tell. What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot. I'm going to take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. It's time to get a check, boy. Check, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitten on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot. I'ma take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.